With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion of Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we talk about Drive to Survive Season 5. And I'm joined by my friend and yours. He's back in the country on the microphone. Tommy T, g'day, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? I am so bloody great, only because you're sitting across from me, which <laughs> is uh, which is fantastic. We've just watched the last episode together. It was very cute. Um, mate, welcome back. How has your whole off-season been? Uh, good, yeah. Chaotic at work, and then I've just been away for work, traveling. So first I was in Uganda, and then most recently in Nicaragua and Mexico. Uh, so I don't know where I am. Don't, my body doesn't know what time it is. I'm still recovering. I only got back two days ago. And then James is like, do you know, binge watch the whole season five and then we'll record within 24 hours of its release. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can I just say, I wasn't aware and I really should have done some research that that it came out at 7 p.m. Oh, we just need to make sure that it's midnight, the West Coast of America time, not like immediately. Like Spotify, you know, if Lord releases a new album or whoever, it, it's in time zone. So it yeah. gets released staggered across the world at so that time. So we could time. have set our NordVPNs to New Zealand and watched early, theoretically. Yeah, if if that was a thing. But Netflix is like, no, it's very important that everyone watches it at exactly the yeah. same time. So it's, 7 p.m. for it's us. It's not revelationary. We know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's just been <laughs> God's sake. It's very bizarre. Anyway, I'm but very we sorry. It. We've Success. done it. We've done it. Yes. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about what our thoughts are. This is not a full episode by episode review. We've been there and done that. And that was a very, very tiring and <laughs> not a very good. I was trying to remember back. How did we go about it? I think we watched an episode, then recorded, then yes. watched an episode and recorded. And that was chaos. And we struggled with our camera gear, if you remember. Oh. don't know if anyone out there is, uh, does content creation, sorry. but there is, uh, sorry, firstly, <laughs> but we only realized that our very expensive Fuji X-T4s recorded 30 minutes of video, not yeah. just endless video. Otherwise, they have to be technically a video camera and uh, still, and yeah. Tax, fun. hey. Anyway, so that's... That's just some content, oh, <laughs> content vibes, but we that's learnt. okay. Um, which is why there's now more audio content and less video content because this is a podcast. It's what it's for. Yes. Um, let's talk then about Drive to Survive as a whole. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts. It's a, it's the fifth season for the show. Yep. It's the fifth season for for us as well. Uh, we're only slightly older than Drive to Survive. But we are. But we are crucially the big brother. Exactly. <laughs> When the twins, we came out first and we will never, ever let anyone forget it. Uh, But it's interesting, isn't it, though, because we kind of were lucky enough that we rode a bit of a wave of Drive to Survive really pulling a lot of of fans together. But it was kind of a perfect storm, wasn't it? Lockdowns happened. People started binge watching. You know, there was a whole back season before they came to 2020 with the lockdowns and COVID. So. You know, this other stuff like Breakpoint with the, the same production company that does the tennis and the golf one's just been released too. I don't think they'll change that those sports like Drive to Survive did because it was this perfect storm. Well, and even not box-to-box box, box to box ones, which are the, the ones that have done those most recent ones. There's been other people trying to attempt this since the first season of Drive to Survive. 
because they saw how much it did for Formula One. And I wonder if it was one of those like lightning in a bottle situations. Timing was perfect. The sport was unknown and they captured some interesting. And I think a lot had to do with Formula One's kind of anonymity in the US at the time and how open that market was and how much they knew that Liberty Media was going to push there. I think like perfect storm of opportunity. Uh, and I think people probably jumped in. I think most people jumped in season two. So they had a backlog to go binge two full seasons and really get up to scratch, fall in love with Daniel, fall in love with Gunter, and then like figure out Formula One and then carry on from there. And then we had things like Miami being announced and now we've got Vegas being announced. So the Americanization, as we've talked about many times on the podcast, was perfect for this situation, mm. but I don't know if it can happen again for other sports. No, absolutely not. But and in terms of drive to survive too, there's and Campy says this right. There's like this five years on, five years off in terms of how you fall in and out of love with the sport. Yep. Uh, I certainly fell out of love with Formula One a while ago and then fell back in love again. It is now getting to that five. It's not the seven year itch. <laughs> it's just a five year kind of thing. And Look, last year was an exceptionally long season for all of us. It's longer again by one race. At least it's not two races this year. Mm-hmm. But for Drive to Survive, from your point of view, do you th- do you think it still performs that ability to pull new fans in and capture? Or do you think the Drive to Survive generation was season two, as you quite rightly said? Yeah. And now they're just still watching like the next season. There's, yeah. n- there's not doing a lot for new fan engagement. It's it's like one of those other seasons to me. It's the the Walking Dead. The first <laughs> couple of seasons were brilliant, and the studio decided it kept getting the right amount of numbers to renew, and the right amount of numbers to renew. And I get accosted for being someone who's watched all <laughs> all eleven and about to watch the final season. I think soon to They're finish it off. Still going? I just finished. Like they've surely it. I think Coral's it's dead by now, and Rick is also dead. <laughs> Spoilers. God, well, uh, I've not watched it. I can only assume that they were like, you know what, we're we're done. But it seems like it's one of those decisions based more around finances, more so than yeah. like how much impact it's having. That's speaking as someone who's inside now, and who's someone who is entrenched in Formula One and sees it, and someone like myself and probably yourself is very skeptical to things like this and has a very critical eye on lots of stuff. Like throughout, we're just making comments about like they've portrayed this wrongly and this wrong, and like. We have some inside understanding. If you haven't watched the season as in-depth as we have, this might be a great way to kind of keep in touch with Formula 1 as a casual fan, be following on Instagram and see some highlights, see who won, and that's enough for you. But if Mm. you want to stay up late and watch F1 like we do, all three kind of sessions and then qualifying and then the race every week, this probably isn't as engaging for those fans. I'm going to uh, use Nick H on Discord, his comment here. At this point, Drive to Survive is married at first sight for F1 fans. <laughs> uh, someone else said it's Sea Patrol, as in like it's just like an over-dramatized version of exactly, which is very That's exactly what happens in the Navy though. Oh, yeah. Yep. They saved the SAS from uh, I remember that from Timor-Leste. Yes. Um, HMAS Hammersley. There's a lot of- We salute you. <laughs> there's a lot of action that happens at Sea, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Daily. Legitimate. All of it. Actually, yeah. It's a documentary. Gunfights um, and like pirates <laughs> every single day. <laughs> Very good. Let's go through and talk about some of the storylines and the personalities because there's a couple of people. Well, let's talk about firstly who they missed. Some very key people that they yeah. missed. The first is Seb Vettel. Yep. Uh, you know, there was a couple of instances of him 
and again, they only focus on a couple of races, but it seemed like Suzuka, the him getting spun out by Fernando Alonso, yep, <laughs> featured a lot. Yeah. And then that was kind of it. And then his Instagram kind of debut and then announcement. But it kind of, yeah. he was only brought up when he had to be brought up for the other storylines. He was never the focus. Yeah, which is really interesting. Same with Valtteri Bottas. Was, you saw his mustache three times, I think, <laughs> in the background. He never spoke. Um, Nick Latifi. Never. I think I saw him twice on screen. Yeah, and it was like a pit lane Background kind of, yeah. Alex Albon, a little bit of interaction in Monaco. Yeah. When he had like completely different hair to the clip they'd just shown, which is always outstanding. <laughs> Continuity, yeah. who needs it? Big fan. Yeah, and it felt, and Joe Guanyu obviously was brought in after his crash, but that but seemed a bit token, didn't it? It seemed like it fit the the storyline around more George, who was being focused more in that episode and his interaction about going to check on mm. Joe. But then they kind of, again, they, they used as much as they needed to tell the story they were trying to tell. And look, we get it. It is a yep. dramatic, you know, rendition, I suppose, of Formula One. Uh, one of the things that we re- like really frustrate us about other podcasts is that they don't talk about everyone. Mm-hmm. So here we are, you know, again, faced with the, the the fact that a lot of these drivers in 10, you know, between 30 to to. 45 50 minute episodes yep. are not being featured and i think it's disappointing also the the fact that it is we were talking about the americanization of the sport and we're like yeah we're trying to get you know more people involved surely there are other voices in formula one that we can use that aren't will buxton spammy um you know later com- added in commentary which i understand it gives you know it, it feeds the storyline yeah. but there are other brilliant commentators out there who aren't english mm-hmm. to use and it, it frustrates me that we're still so centrally focused around, no, all of our talent needs to be from the UK. Yeah. And I think it's just disrespectful to other content creators around the world, not just us, but everyone else who works exceptionally hard yeah. around the world doing content about Formula One. Yeah, it was, it was the Will show, wasn't it really? And I, I've got in my notes, I was like, it seems like he is a puppet for the show as like a phone narrator. And he's just kind of, the producers in his ears like, so talk about like the crash with, with Joe and what happened with him and then Will just spurts out like this really dramatic version of like, oh, and Joe was like suspended upside down, gasp. And then like that's his whole role in this. He's not adding any original thoughts. He's not adding any kind of critique or criticism. He is literally just moving the story to where the producers need and that's all he's doing. And one of the uh, one of the other disappointing things for me is, you know, and it's sort of against what I just said, but Jenny Gao, yep. who is a legitimate journalist and in, has done an incredible job and probably did a hell of a lot of interviews for yep. Drive to Survive last year, yep. who is currently still recovering from a stroke. So she can't do her job at the moment yep. because she's still really working very hard. Apparently it's going well and, of course, we send all of our best to her for that. But the things that she said were to the point. Yes. And exceptionally important. Yes. And someone who works as a working journalist more so than Will, who's now a presenter as such, Jenny Gow is like diving in and asking questions and critical thinking and kind of on the knife edge of those kind of situations. So I would like to hear that opinion and that kind of critique as opposed to, I don't know, turn, just helping turn the page to the next bit of the story is what Will Buxton's been doing. Yeah. Let's talk about some of our favourite moments then. Um, for me, it was the opening scene of the new part of Drive to Survive, not the reflection on last year, and that was Mattia and Gunther in a little Fiat 500 rolling around the countryside about to pick some grapes for, to make some wine. I, mean, I, I just, I'm again, I'm dick, 
but the set piece stuff is just like there was like a cycling with Mick Schumacher and all these ones like, yes, I think the Fiat 500 one was the best because it had like comedic value. It was very funny, but the set pieces just make me laugh because they're just getting more and more outlandish. And they even <laughs> yes. they even hinted it in the last episode at the end. Yeah. Like, like next time it should be parachuting and it should be like how how wild can we get with these set pieces of these like set up. The Mark Webber one sitting like where they <laughs> they go for a I run could, through. I'd forgotten. Through, pa- <laughs> through France and then they sit at the top of this. <laughs> Where's your head at, mate? <laughs> we love you, Mark, but you were a terrible actor. Because yeah. <laughs> that was horrendous. Bloody Carlos at the Shell Station in oh, Miami man. with the Fiat with the Fiat with the F4, um, F40 and the F50s and everything yeah. else. That terrible acting was better acting yes. than oh, anything else Mark that Webber I saw from shocking. Mark. Come on, Mark. But Lift. I think if you had Mark Webber candid, we'd be way more engaging. Cause we, That's right. He's great. When you listen to him live and you listen to him on podcasts, you listen to him anywhere else him set up and staged by producers was woeful yeah okay uh so how did you feel like they painted bonotto because it was it's been a lot different to a lot of other years yeah i think knowing how the season ended and as the edit i think the editors are probably working throughout the year because it is a lot of stuff to cut together they're always making tweaks and building episodes i think throughout while still getting footage but knowing how it happened i think they would have switched the the start of the season to be portrayed as success, lots of positive things happening. Because to be honest, like the first four four races, you would thought Ferrari was the most competitive and we're going to give Red Bull a run. After that though, it was diabolical. Uh, and I think they did paint that well enough. Like we, we talked about the Monaco incident with the double pit stop and that just rehashing that was to watch that again was just... <laughs> What kind of thinking? Like you're even thinking it in the moment we thought that, but like to, to look back now, it is insane that that was your thought process on that kind of track mm. to do that, to make that decision. It's interesting as well, isn't it, sort of over the the way that the the season progresses and the storylines progress. And I think you're right. I mean, you know, they're, they're probably being a bit kinder to him knowing that he's been booted yeah. by the time the final edit comes out from this. And that's not a bad thing, I think, because a lot of Formula One has painted Matea as this villain and no idea what he's doing and that sort of other stuff. So we actually humanised him a little bit, which for his brand I think is not such a bad thing, totally. especially with Gunther. I mean, yeah. everyone bloody loves Gunther. Yep. So I think that made a lot of sense for that Let's to happen. Let's pair them together and it will work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly right. Yep. Um, and, I mean, he finishes the season feeling like it was a success that they yeah. compared to Mercedes. They, it was like, yes, mate, but also you were so much faster than them at the beginning yeah. of the year. The fact that you're only second and by a big distance is uh, disappointing. And the analysis that I saw throughout the season and towards the end was that, like, the car was faster. The Ferrari was faster. It was outside issues that made them lose, mm. which you can you can argue differently, but based on like statistics and qualifying times and best laps and everything, like that car had the potential to be faster. I, I do say though, like I don't think even if Ferrari had everything go well that they were going to beat Max that year. No. I think he was <laughs> on another level. He was on another level. Righto, everyone. Hang on. Got to pay the bills around here. Yep, thanks, Campy. All right, but the, the point this time, though, is that actually it's a good shout-out yes. for a very valuable listener, Tommy T. Um, Jess, who has been listening to the show for a very long time, who followed Formula 1 because of Drive to Survive, which yep. is a very relevant episode to, to do this. Converted across, though. Yes. Yeah. Really, in you know, 
Lakeside Drive, she said, all the time is her number one podcast. She literally listens to nothing else. Yes. And she goes back from 2019, listens to the whole catalogue and starts again. <laughs> and if there's a new episode released, fantastic, gets it thrown into the mix. Yep. Uh, but, listener, if you are in need of dress hire, you need to go and support Jess because she's doing an incredible thing that she's taking an online store... Uh, across to a physical store in Perth. The great thing is she ships all over the country. Uh, and so if you've got formals coming up or balls, um, it's probably a bit early to think about Christmas parties, but it's still going to be a thing. I don't know, book it in. Uh, and it's, it, it bloody looks fantastic, doesn't yeah. it? It's excellent. So dress by underscore Jess on Instagram and you can jump on and have a look. But Jess is an absolute legend and I think we as a community should support Jess and she's an outstanding human and has a great business so we just wanted to make sure that you knew about it so that you have to, if you have these needs you can get what you require yeah support the Lakeside Drive community go to dressbyjesshire.com uh, you can browse the full range and if you live in Perth you can go to Osborne Park the physical store opens Monday the 27th of February uh, which is this coming Monday yeah. as we're sitting here recording, which is very excited for her. So, yes, dressbyjesshire.com or we'll put a link in the description below and you can find her on Instagram, Rest by Jess as well. Thanks, Jess, for listening and thank you, listener, for supporting her. All right, let's get back to it. Let's talk about other um, team principles. I want to talk about this Zach and Otmar episode specifically because mm-hmm. it was around Oscar Piastri. Yep. But um, Otmar... It's ironing his new BWT Alpine <laughs> shirt, which was a size. Yep. Um, and the way that that all came about, I mean, you know, they sort of went, yeah, well, he left Aston Martin because of Lawrence and then painted, well, Alonso is going to Aston Martin because of Lawrence and because of the ability, you know, the inability yeah. to sign a contract and everything else. But did you find it interesting sort of the way that they played off each other? Because they, to me, they painted, and I probably still feel this way, they painted Zach as, as a villain yep. and as someone who, you know, cannot be tried. And, and this is probably a good place to bring this up, but there's an Italian Formula One journalist, uh, Roberto uh, Cincero, who was said to DR, I told you not to trust Zach. Yeah. In Italian. You know, After their little interaction, the last things he says to Daniel is like, I told you not to trust Zach. And yeah. then they leave it. And Daniel's like, yep. Like he can just see it in his face. He's like, this is kind of how it's ended up. Um, yeah. I think, and I said it to you, I think Zach is a salesman. He's excellent at getting brands and people to align and buy into his vision. I don't think he's the best leader of people though. And I think that's the issue that McLaren has. And he sold Daniel on all these incredible things and he hasn't been able to fulfill them. He sold Oscar on what's going to happen and he sold everyone on these technical abilities of this car and it's not there and it's continuing to not be there and he's not backing up all these claims and what he's selling people on, Like, but he's brilliant at the sell. And I think that's kind of, you do kind of need that, but at the end of the day, like it needs to be backed up. All those sponsors are going to walk. Those drivers will walk. Lando will leave. If Lando is as good as he is, claiming to be, and also if the car is as bad as we now know it is, despite that Lando has shown his skills, he's going to get a drive somewhere else because he wants to compete for world championships. So I think they've portrayed Zach, I think, quite fairly, to be honest. Like they don't actually make him out to be the worst person in Formula 1, the worst team principal, I don't think, Mm. which they've definitely done to Christian, (laughs) (laughs) I think. Uh, And that's probably Christian's fault as well as anything else. But... I think they've put Zach kind of right where he needed to be because he does have those kind of underhanded moves and he is making all these political kind of plays as well as the happy smiling face that we kind of, we 
bought into as well when Daniel first went there. Yeah, no, I, look, and that's his background is marketing and and sales, and he is very good at that, as as we've said. Uh, Otmar's journey into Alpine and what sort of came through with Laurent there, and you know, saying, "Well, we've had real no leadership the previous year, and now we've got one in Otmar." Mm. It did seem that. Alpine really when they came to the and they had a completely different design philosophy let's think about the airbox and the way everything looked compared to everyone else and I know yep. the beginning of last year lots of different cars looked exceptionally different which yep. was fun now it's just like Red Bull version of this car and this car and this yeah. car and this car but for that whole play especially around Oscar Piastri because that kind of tied in obviously with McLaren and everything else the way that they they almost made Otmar like the, oh, poor Otmar, you know, he's trying to get control of things and he's not able to because he hasn't yeah. been around. But kind of by then accident, he's and then Drive to Survive has painted Oscar as this bad guy. Yeah, I think they've, instead of painting Otmar as the fool that kind of got played and should have been more aware, that's kind of, kind of how I see it. I think uh, he should have been more aware of the situation. He should have been more aware of contracts and, making sure instead of counting his chickens and just assuming everyone would stick around and want to be involved, he's, he's I don't know, just assumed wrongly and then now playing the victim and therefore making Oscar look like this devious kind of punk who's out to get things. Whereas, like, from my point of view, Oscar has won every championship on the trot, is unable to go back and compete in those and is now stuck in limbo waiting to get a seat in F1. That has never happened. Mm. Every single time someone has won F2, especially if they've won other things on the trot, they get a seat the very next year. But he was sidelined and rightly so was annoyed and was like, well, if you can do this and you want to re-sign, Oscar was not their first priority. They wanted to re-sign Fernando. So he would have been sitting on the sideline another year. Mm -hmm. So he's got to prioritise his own career. He's not there just to be this good, loyal guy and have integrity like it's been asked of him how is I don't understand how that's fair yeah so he was looking out for himself and he would have had Mark looking out for his best interest for his career his young driver who's not as young as some people who've had a start in F1 so I I, bizarre that he's been painted in this picture when he hasn't even had a chance to drive yet that's true it is it is seemingly unfair although I do agree with Otmar in good luck to Zach and that (laughs) McLaren and, and Oscar because yeah even in testing at the moment we're seeing it's not it is not an ideal car. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, ideally he probably could have done better things in that Alpine, which is fine for at least Pierre Gasly. Let's talk about Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda. We know that we've – obviously I spoke with Italiano. That episode came out earlier this week um, about him training Yuki and it's interesting now to know like all these things and yeah. he even said about, oh, I don't like training and everything else, which, you know, contradicts – what Italiano was saying about the beginning of this year because yeah. Yuki now is under threat from Nick DeVries yep. uh, and he needs to completely change his mindset. But what I really loved and what I don't think we saw a lot of on the outside was this relationship between Pierre and Yuki. Mm-hmm. I think Yuki is now one of my favourites on the grid. He's such a character and I think I like his honest attitude of, I don't like training but I'm going to do it because I know it makes me better. And like that's what he's talking about. It seems like he's completely flipped to that and from all accounts with Italiano, he's doing really well. But He is an incredible talent. You could tell that he wants to be an F1 driver. He's still young and he was still figuring it out. And it was kind of, he was lost. He didn't have anyone other than Pierre looking out for him. And now he's kind of like left in this situation now have to be the adult, be the grown up. 
but he's also dealing with someone like Nick DeVries who is an incredible professional and has shown that and gone out and won a championship in Formula E. So I think that is going to be a very interesting team to watch, a very short team. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is <laughs> oh, I like that. That social media team is going to have fun with that somehow. Uh, yes, also considering Josh Cruz, who, yes. is, the, who is also now apparently Gigantic. Yuki's security in, in Japan. Could, <laughs> and I don't know why Josh didn't just pick up Yuki <laughs> like a crane and just lift him over everyone else, <laughs> in, you know, the Japanese crowd and stick him on the other side yeah. of the bo- He is so tall. It's going to be comical. Uh, but two Australians around Yuki, I think it's going to be a good thing. Yes, they're um, both gigantic too. It's uh, yes, and as I said to you before, Italiano's arms are that big that he probably could just <laughs> yeet Yuki across like, here you go, mate, I'll just chuck you in the paddock. But I think like talent-wise, Yuki is there. I think his professionalism and his like preparedness and everything, if that increases to the level it's required to, I think he could be the number one driver in that team. But Nick DeVries is going to give him a run and going to be consistent. He's going to be the new Valtteri Bottas or that kind of very consistent mainstay kind of driver that's always going to bank good data. He's always going to like look after the car. He's going to be that consistent force. Mm. So that's going to be an exciting team if that car's good. The other relationship was Charles and Carlos. Um, love a bit of paddle. I love how a lot of this, the European drivers play paddle now. Uh, it's an awesome sport to watch, but it's nice that it's sort of coming to the floor a little bit. Their relationship seems pretty solid, yep. to be honest. Um, and we could tell their constant disappointment in Ferrari as a team. It's interesting how, you know, they weren't really painted for any of the mistakes that happened because realistically it wasn't their yeah. fault. Some of it was some driver error at some times during the year. Yep. But in the same way that we were talking about Lando earlier and McLaren, and we've sort of said this a couple of times over this the last 12 months about this team, what point do Carlos and Charles go... If, if, you know, Ferrari aren't good this year, if they're still dropping yeah. the ball, well, you guys aren't going to win the world championship. No. So where do, what's the point of me being here? You, you could argue if Leclerc was in a Mercedes or the Red Bull in previous years when they were like competing, he would have won a championship because he's that good of a driver. I think Carlos in the rut situation as well is definitely good enough to compete. That guy is the most unlucky person I've ever seen. Him and VB <laughs> yes. seem to have the worst luck in Formula oh. One. And if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. I think like the five something DNFs or like ridiculous finishes for Carlos last year. So that's in- so unfair and hard to compare. But Ferrari made some diabolical mistakes, didn't they, with strategy and decisions and things that were avoidable. Like unforced errors is the best way to say it. Is like they they forced these problems on themselves from poor management and poor organization. And that's just like you can't do that in Formula 1. You need to be opportunistic and take all those opportunities. If you're stuffing yourself up, you're not going to win anything. Yeah. And it, it's interesting because they won't speak out against Ferrari because you can't. You can't. You cannot speak out against the board. It's will, the mafia. Yeah, the board will not allow you to do so. Uh, Fred, the relationship between Charles and Fred will be interesting because obviously they've had a very long one from junior yes. career and also at um, Sauber. Yep. Before Alfa Romeo, before coming to Ferrari. So that will be interesting to see as well. But what I think we probably should finish with and and the big wrap of Drive to Survive is Daniel to Survive. Uh, I said at the end of last year that it was difficult to watch for me personally because I was incredibly emotionally attached to the success of Daniel Ricciardo in terms of how I found Formula One. Yes. And listeners, I know a lot of you too. Um, We saw a lot of you stop listening because yep. you didn't want to watch anymore. You didn't want to watch how hard it was for Daniel. And I do not 
uh, I do not blame you because it was incredibly hard. And I th- felt like we didn't really have a goodbye to Daniel at the grid because everyone was so focused on Seb, rightly so. Totally. But in Drive to Survive, it felt like a, a, at least a night, if, if it, he doesn't come back to Formula One, that it was a really nice way to round it out. Oh, they knew what they had in the talent and the the character of Daniel. And you could argue that the success of this series is got more to do with him than Formula One. I think his character and personality was the thing that people gravitated to in season one and two. Like they, they put together this master cut of like his best moments captured on Drive to Survive. It was one of the best things of the season, you'd argue. Yeah. Like we were both just sitting there smiling like, ah, oh, this is these are the times. Like his win in Monza, it goes unnoticed that that is – the best thing that McLaren's done for years, for like nearly a decade, you'd argue, if not longer, that McLaren's success was Daniel and that he's had the highs for the Renault team in the most recent years. Like he's been the best thing they've had. And to see his finish at Red Bull to the point where like he left Red Bull on seemingly like not the best terms, but they've welcomed him back because they know that Daniel is professional. He's a great person to have around. He's good for morale. Everybody who comes in contact with Daniel loves Daniel. So I think the sport is poorer for not having him there consistently and I think that was worth acknowledging and Drive to Survive nailed the 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 fact that he's very valuable. It's going to be interesting for this year to see what he kind of does in terms of his involvement. It almost, I mean, we saw a lot of his struggles, didn't we, throughout the whole year but also then reflected again in Netflix uh, a lot of the radio chatter backwards and forwards and, you know, we know that Zach obviously doing deals. I hated that scene too, that setup scene with the whoever the executive chairman is of McLaren yeah. and that whole like, oh, it's not working out. <sighs> obviously, you know, we're both big DR fans and yep. many of the people who listen to this podcast are also that too. Yep. But for, for him to be successful for this year, I think is obviously finding that level of happiness. Mm-hmm. Um he did literally this morning do at three o'clock in the morning do a FEA fuck them all. It's already uh, sold out, and it's already sold out. Yeah, merchandise drop, uh, and I think that that's it's a good indicator of the, the fact that this guy has built a brand around him being professional, trying to be as fast as possible. This is a driver who is not washed. No, who, who is has as he said he wants to be remembered for for leaving it all out there, and I think he did. Uh, and I think that was a nice way to round out Drive to Survive for for the drama side of it, but also, yeah. Yeah, as you say, a nod to the fact that you know part of the success and the, the character is Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, they know he was the golden goose. Like he had everything that made that popular, and they were looking for that in the the tennis and in the golf series. And I don't know if they found it. They had moments, but there was no one on the level of Daniel Ricciardo and the engagement that he's brought. And you'd argue that Liberty is like poorer as like the owner of Formula 1 for not having that character to push them into the States and other markets. So I think it's in their best interest to like <laughs> find ways to get him to race weekends and get him engaged and keep him in the forefront, even if he's not in a car, because they're poorer for it. Well, that's Drive to Survive. Tommy T, should people watch it? Will they miss out if they don't see it? Yeah, not really. Not really. <laughs> I think it's like you, it's not appointment viewing, but if you're going to throw it on in the back while you're cooking dinner, you can listen in. If you've watched the season already, I don't think there's anything dramatically illuminating that we missed out on mm. other than Fred Vasseur saying that he's famous for being associated with Claudia Schiffer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute elite moment <laughs> from him. 
That was what a place to what a place to end Drive to Survive. What a place to end this podcast. Well, Tommy T, thank you so much uh, for binge watching ridiculously a lot of television in such a short period of time. My sincerest apologies to you. Uh, and listen, thank you for for listening. If you've if you've watched Drive to Survive and you're interested in letting us know what you think, jump across to our Discord. It's the best place for for you. We've got a great community over there, about 375 people from all over the world talking about all kinds of stuff. They're talking about testing, which is hilarious because everyone's like, we've got access to testing and then no one wants to watch it because it's boring as hell (laughs) I get red flagged Uh, but that's okay we'll talk about testing Campy and I will talk about testing uh, early next week Um, so thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the the podcast please consider subscribing leave a rating review if you want if you don't want to that's absolutely fine as well Uh, Tommy T a huge season of content coming up as well is there anything that you're particularly excited about I want to kind of figure out some more fun things to do. So keen listeners know, like maybe three seasons ago, we did some fun like little games and drafts and kind of non-race weekend stuff. So I'm excited to kind of jump back into that space and maybe test you and camp you on your knowledge. Love that thought. We've also got some merchandise coming out very soon to a new hat. Uh, is not too far away for pre-order. And we've also got some Tommy T special roasted coffee. It's not what it's going to be called. <laughs> no, it will have a different name. Because <laughs> that sounds pretty sus. But anyway, it's all to come. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Which is a tough thing to do. So I thought we'd do a little bit of a shout out. Gee, she's got followers. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.